I've always wanted to represent Apne in a positive way. And I was thinking, what, what can I do? What am I good at? I love to train. I love to bodybuild. My way to project ourselves in a positive light was to compete. I was only ever going to compete if I thought I'd win. My mindset was being a tub emergency. I don't just need to be good and I need to be the clear winner. I didn't know how to diet down. Never dieted down before, never got lean before, nothing like that. I knew I was going to attain that physique. I was going to be lean enough, but I didn't know how to do it. I got the buzz. I want to come first, you know, I want to get to the final junior men's physique. So I came first. Then I qualified for the British finals and I came first there as well. Can I compete in Arnold in Barcelona? He goes, oh, I don't know, get to like your turban out there. I was about to get into onto the stage. They go, oh, you can't wear that thing. I was like, why? I go, it's part of my faith, my religion. You could only go on stage if you can take it off. I go, no, I'm going to go on stage. I'm not going to take it off. I got qualified wearing it. I'm going to compete with it as well. I was thinking, why am I being singled out here? From being first in my category two years running to being not even in the placing, not even top 10. Welcome back to the CoachCast podcast. My guest today is a bodybuilder and a UK champion in men's physique. Welcome, Jorawar Singh Samdu. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Thank you, man. Thank you for I'm good. I'm getting good. me on this podcast. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the time. I know that you've just been on your holidays and uh, been into the sunny, sunny weather of Barcelona. How was uh, How was your travels? Yeah, it was very good, man. Very good. Um, it was good going back to Barcelona after my experience competing there. Obviously, when competing there a few years ago, I couldn't you know, explore the the place. But this time I could explore it and, you know, check it out properly. And yeah, it was very good, very good. 100%. We will talk about that experience um, shortly because of, of an incident that uh, occurred during that competition. But we're going to start right at the beginning. What was um, baby Jorawar like? What were, what were you like as a kid? What was your upbringing like? What was your cultural background like? And, and any influences from the culture side of things as well? Um, this is from my dad really initially so my dad was a Kabodi player for Sato and this was in the 80s early 90s and uh, just uh, obviously he was into training as a, a Kabodi player he was into training and uh, he retired when I was about probably about two or something like that and uh, he was still training at home he made a little um, a little room within the garage and uh, yeah, within the room, he had all his weights and bench press and everything like that. And uh, I'm, I was probably five or something like that, maybe. And uh, I remember um, my dad wouldn't allow me in the room, so he'd kick me out of the room whilst he'd be training. I'd peep through the keyhole and, you know, see him train. I think uh, that probably just sparked my interest in training. And, uh, and also, um, my dad was always used to watch movies, uh, you know, Bruce Lee, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so watching the movies, that also, uh, watching the movies, I was thinking, shit, like, I want to be like them as well. So I wanted to have like a flex physique, like Bruce Lee, and be able to fight, and also be have a you know be good in size, like a bodybuilder, like Arnold. So. But yeah, that, that's what initially sparked my interest in weightlifting and bodybuilding. Well, I guess your dad sort of encapsulates both of them. And it? like typically, kabaddi players are, are, are quite large in stature and, and do have quite athletic physiques. And obviously, um, it's not um, a fighting sport, but it is still a, a physical sport. So it is a bit more hands on and you need to be able to handle yourself. So, what would you say that he was sort of like a superhero to you growing up? Like you wanted to be a bit like him as well? Yeah, well, growing up, I used to hear 
people saying, oh, my dad was a really good Kabaddi player. He's, he was a raider, so okay. he's an attacker, in other words. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people used to say that he's really good. And uh, I remember, like, my friend's dads would have, like, old newspaper articles of, like, like my dad or whatever, you know, winning the tournament and stuff. So, yeah, that I was thinking, shit, like, I want to do something as well. And, uh, but, yeah, seeing my dad train... Um, that sparked my initial interest. Yeah, no, in that, that is that is especially when you're like when other people are telling you like obviously how, how great your dad is and things, and it sort of makes this larger than life sort of character. Um, and I guess like you know how you were saying that he would kick you out of the garage and you would have to peep through the the keyhole and things. I'm guessing that sort of um, it's like the forbidden fruit thing, isn't it? It's like if you're told not to do something, you just want to do it even yeah. more. So it's like if you're not allowed to even watch, then you just want to be in there and sneaking in and probably playing around with weights and stuff. Yeah, that made me curious. And also, I remember quite clearly, I used to go in, like, jump in the room as well and start lifting weights. I was probably max, probably eight, five to eight or something. I used to go into the room and try lift weights and stuff. But yeah, my dad was scared that I might injure myself. So he used to kick me out of the room whilst he was training. Yeah, yeah. Just to see if you can uh, emulate some of the movements that he was doing. There was, there's also that thing of like, um, the I don't know if this is actually true, to be honest, but that whole thing of like, don't lift weights when you were a kid because it might stunt your growth and stuff like that. So there's always that, just hold on. Like when you're a bit older, like you can lift weights then. But obviously as a kid, nobody really thinks of, weight lifting but it is more sports uh, and that side of things that is like oh that's fine but don't lift weights um did you ever get into kabuddi or, or was that something that um wasn't for you and it was mainly the weightlifting side um i was as a you know um i did play kabuddi a little bit not like train for nothing like that but you know like before uh finals and stuff um um at these different tournaments um like the juniors would go and play amongst themselves mm -hmm. and uh, i i'll do that on probably i've probably done that four or five times and then that kind of um and also i want to emulate my dad as well and yeah. i was i'm into sports and combat sports because i used to do karate when i was young um but um uh you know seeing that there's a lot of politics and sort of thing and you know, and drinking and whatever that, and also they don't they don't really give chance to um, us over here, like you know, UK born or American born or whatever. They don't really give us chance. Um, all all well, I say 90, 95 percent of these Kabaddi players are from from India, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if you have more opportunity, if they give more opportunities to youngsters over here, I think there'd be much more interest in Kabaddi and they'll grow rapidly as well yeah uh, like obviously we've seen with, with the politics and things I, th I think obviously um the the kabuddi player who unfortunately lost his life yeah. at a competition and things like that it's it's um it's not amazing in that uh, aspect and it is quite a it is it is like a very culturally driven sport so when you say the drinking yeah. and, and things like that are obviously tied to it obviously the the good things of like the live music and get togethers and all things um there's positives and drawbacks. I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah it's, don't get me wrong, it's a wicked sport and um, and also it promotes our culture as well. 
Um, yeah, but obviously the drinking isn't part of our culture. You know, that's all made up. And yeah. uh, one of the biggest factors of me, I think, um, one of the biggest factors of me getting into competing and uh, bodybuilding was that growing up, and you know, when I was in my teenage years, a lot of people from other communities would be like, oh, um, Asians drink a lot, or even Sikhs, Punjabis, they're known for drinking. Why don't you drink? But I wanted to change that sort of thinking. And to change that sort of thinking and detach that stigma, I decided to, like, you know, um, to train and compete. Because I want to show up near that, yeah, like there's more to than just drinking. Let's, you know, um, there's more to than just drinking. And there's, and uh, is best to, you know, forget drinking, not to drink and stay fit and healthy, you know, um, but yeah. Yeah, the, part, the party culture is, is, is big in the community. Um, and obviously, I think that shift is happening. Um, maybe it's from a biased perspective uh, for myself because of the, the pages I follow on social media promote obviously a lot more um, fitness and sports and things like that hence a lot of the guests on the podcast and that's probably because of my interest but in my opinion the the highlighting of these these athletes like yourself like the boxes that are coming through like pages like seek muscle and and, yeah. and generally athletes that are obviously breaking through now from our community is hopefully changing that perspective i think the other thing stereotypically is that um indians typically aren't genetically gifted towards sports and I think that attitude is shifting with the likes of yourself competing on stages with the likes of like Randy Lotte and, and, and people like that getting absolutely jacked and going up the stages absolutely shredded changes that perspective I, I think I think um, Apne might not be genetically gifted as in like maybe kind of building muscle and being massive or whatever but up there are more like athletic, mm-hmm. fast, and you know, so I think uh, um, in different communities are have different, uh, you know, negatives and positives about themselves genetically. So, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of up there coming up in the bodybuilding industry and uh, obviously breaking them barriers. 100%, 100%. On the Kabundi thing, I think I've seen recently there was a tournament maybe in London um, and it was mainly like UK-based teams and things. Um, so hopefully things like that obviously happen a, a lot more. And I think in Canada, there's a lot more competitions with um, like actual Canadian, uh, like Canadian-born um, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully it does like, it just it becomes more inclusive of the NRIs, for example, to compete in that sport as well, because it, it is it is obviously good. I think Canada is probably a bit more ahead of that in terms um, of um, some sports than ourselves. Like a lot of the uh, wrestlers that I see from over there have come from like a kabaddi slash wrestling yeah. background. You get it. you get women, you know, going to kabaddi matches as well. They have yeah. their own like uh, you know tag of war and stuff like that. They have like a sports day kind of thing there, 100%. and they book out stadiums. So, yeah, they're quite advanced ahead of us over here in, in the UK. Definitely, which is weird because, like, it's it's sort of a newer culture over there than ourselves, but they have exceeded yeah. us in some aspects. Um, That's true. Well, 
when you were obviously uh, doing kabaddi, karate, things like this at a young age, um, uh, and other sports, if, if there was any, was um, another part of the fitness to supplement that, or was was it like was there ever a decision time that you were like thinking, uh, I just want to get more fit so I can be better at karate or kabaddi, or was it just a uh, I'm going to leave them behind me now and focus on purely fit like the gym and bodybuilding? To be honest, um, I've always wanted to represent Apne in a positive way. You know, obviously about um, Apne drinking and stuff, that's not a positive image to give ourselves, right? So I want to um, represent Apne in a positive light. And I was thinking, what, what can I do? What am I good at? I was, I was good at, and, and I love to train, I love to bodybuild. And uh, I was quite athletic from the start and into sports. So, um, um, so yeah, my way to project ourselves in positive light was to compete and compete on stage and let people know about Apni as well, you know, from other communities and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I think that's what that's what my thinking was. Fair enough. Like I, I think for a lot of people it's it's more that they get into fitness and then they get to a certain yeah. level and then obviously keep on pushing the boundaries in the gym with your friends and things or by yourself and then get to a certain point where you need the competition to sort of validate how far you've got if that makes sense yeah. um, whereas uh, yourself being a conscious decision to promote your background which is is very commendable um what did did you think at that time when you wanted to do your first competition that you were at that level, if that makes sense, like in, in air marks, I guess, like, did you think that you, if you competed, you'd win? I, I was only ever going to compete if I thought I'd win, otherwise I wouldn't compete. Okay. I wouldn't even think about competing then. Mm-hmm. I'd only compete if I think I'm going to win, if I'm sure about winning, otherwise I wouldn't compete. I just, you know, how my mindset is. And also another thing is, as a, uh, you know, probably obviously ran deep before me and maybe one or two other guys, um, then bodybuilding. Um, um, I think I was probably like, I don't think, I don't think ran deep was a turban on stage, um, but I was probably one of the first or whatever to a turban on stage. And, uh, um, so, um, sorry about that. Could you repeat the question again? Sorry. No, so uh, I was just asking, like, for... Because it takes, like, when you're in the gym and you, like, you're, you're generally looking aesthetically pleasing, um, you're, you're working on your goals, you're probably doing a, a winter bulk and a summer shred. At what point does the summer shred turn into, I actually want to compete? You know what I mean? What, like, at what point is it, like, the, the physique that I've got, I think that uh, I can win a, a competition? Because you have to have a level of confidence in your own ability to be able to even take that step in the first place. Yeah, like I said, I only reason I'd compete is because I think I'd win, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't even compete, wouldn't even think about it. Um, and also, my mindset was that obviously being a turban wearing Sikh competing and also coming through racism when growing up, I was thinking, all right, I don't just need to be good or be good enough for first place i need to be the best i could be and i need to be the clear winner i need the spectators to think okay shit he's the winner 
as soon as there's a second stage. You know, because if the judges, I'm not saying the judges are racist or whatever, but, you know, coming up, growing up, you have that sort of mindset, like, what if the race is or whatever. So I wanted the spectators to know, yeah, he's the winner, before the judges even decide. So that was my mindset going into competitions. Yeah, it's like that. You have to, you can't work as hard as the next man to get the same uh, result. You've got to work better just to get the same result. And I think that mindset does come to a lot of uh, immigrant households, often included, because of experiences. Whereabouts are you? Uh, whereabouts did you grow up and, uh, and based? Is it um, London, Birmingham? Uh, Southall. Southall. Okay. Everyone knows about Southall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm surprised at that because the, the reason I ask is obviously you mentioned the racism there growing up, and um, that that is surprising to me because when you think of Southall, you think of it's no, no. Wales. I I from about when I was nine up to um, when I was nine. I was living in Southall, but then I moved over to Northolk. I was there for probably about five, six years. And back then, there were only predominantly white people, um, blacks as well. But yeah, every time we used to go to the park, we used to get into a fight or whatever. Um, loads of times where I've got into fights, to be honest. Um, even I remember I was walking down the road, main road, walking down the road, and uh, one, there's, I think there's three guys walking. And one of them hit into me. His shoulder hit into me, into my face. I was thinking, you know, like, I hung up. I was really angry. I was pissed off. I didn't see nothing. I just looked at him. When he was about to cross, I stuck my middle finger out and ran. <laughs> but yeah, things like that used to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think I was only, like, probably 12 then. They were probably, like, 16, 17. But, yeah, things like that, you know, experience, like, quite a bit on a, probably on a weekly basis. When you move to an area where, where it is very different, and and obviously you you feel um, isolated uh, because you are getting discriminated against, did that have an impact on um, like confidence or uh, and things like that? Like how how was that side of things like mentally? I guess for for you, um, that probably did that did have an effect on confidence in ways. So like you know, for example, if I apply for a job or something like that. I think it's shit like, you know, I'm a minority here. Would they like me or whatever, you know, um, that did. But growing up, um, I moved back to South, by the way, after living there for four, five, six years. Um, yeah, growing up, um, I think I've become more aware that not everyone's like that. So, uh, it's obviously had like a lasting impact, as you said. Like, you, you, your yeah. mentality has obviously shifted because you, you uh, think that you need to do better just to have the same result, and, and that's obviously stemmed from somewhere. And it sounds like it, it's, it's from there. Um, and it's understandable, like, as, as I've said on the podcast a few times, I'm from Newcastle, not very many uh, Asians when, when I was growing up. The, the community here is a lot smaller than down south like in in south yeah. and, and birmingham and things um and the discrimination is obviously quite evident and so it does have an impact even though potentially at the time you don't realize it it's more retrospectively you look back and be like oh this is why i'm doing what i'm doing now is because of these little things that happened then but it is quite interesting um and then when you're getting more serious into the gym i, I assume it's probably more than the teenage years after that move um so do, do you think that 
they balanced each other out as in the confidence may have dropped because of the discrimination, but then elevated again because of the confidence from going to the gym and, and the results that you're seeing? Uh, when I, so when I started going to the gym, well, I was going to the gym probably when I was 15. I think I had to be 16 mm-hmm. to get a uh, membership. Yeah, same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what, I'd, so what I'd do is, this was, was it, 2007, seven, eight, I was probably about 14, 15 years old, yeah. So me and my mate, what we used to do was uh, just hang around outside David Lloyd's in Heston and we'd ask, we never had it, obviously we couldn't get membership too young. So we'd hang, hang around in the car park and approach different people and say, we'd make a story like, oh, our friend was going to let us in the gym but his car broke down. So can you let us in your guest pass? So with the guest pass, they never used to ask for age. Right, okay. They never asked for proof. So, mm-hmm. and but we had to pay, was it 12 pounds or something each time? <laughs> but yeah, I'll go during the holidays, I'll go, was it four times a week or something like that? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was only like 15 then. And um, yeah, that's when uh, that's when I, you know, when, when I started to go gym. But there was a time where probably around uh, uh, 2000 nine ten-ish where obviously I had my A-levels and stuff probably wasn't going as much but I was training at home using my dad's old equipment <laughs> when I was old enough to use it when you were allowed um, yeah yeah I had I had his bench in my room and everything and um, but 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 back then I never knew about nutrition you know and uh, even about training only re- only recent probably from 2012 then onwards there's been lots of you know awareness and you know YouTube and things like that. There's been so much awareness and so much knowledge on on the internet, but back then there wasn't much really. Um, I think that's that's the social media era when you have all the fitness influencers who came out obviously on YouTube. Like I used to watch um, a guy Christian Guzman when I started first going to the gym because he was putting out like all of his yeah. workouts and like how a truck calories and macros and all this stuff so like i think when that sort of 2012 era came about and obviously instagram influencers and all these things came about there is obviously uh so much more knowledge that is going out there but it's also the filtering as well that you have to be a bit more clued up on and that obviously comes with time um realizing that obviously this person is probably not um is well probably not natural even though this yeah exactly and then they're saying that they are and then they're saying here's a pill that made me even though i'm natural do this and it's like ah it becomes a sicky one uh you know um neither is too much info out there too much information but a lot of it is just quite rubbish you know to be honest yeah but you need to be able to pull apart what is real what is fake you know so so yeah back then there's very hard to come by like real information i remember i'd watch probably like um there'd be videos on youtube um probably like you know like ronnie coleman jay cutler mm-hmm. eating rice and chicken i used to be like shit there must be much more there must be more to it looking like there's some sort of secret they're not telling us yeah <laughs> but but thinking about it now and and uh and what i've what I've known is there, there, there's no secret out there. Just train hard, consistently, and diet as well, hard and consistently. 
you know, there's not a lot to it. Obviously, dumb guys are on whatever they were on, but um, there's no real secret out there. Even people ask me, oh, um, tell me some sort of powder or something like that. You know, when I go to gym, I get like up and over from India. They're like, oh, buddy, uh, my powders run out, my proteins run out, I can't train properly. I'm like, I'm like, what's in the powder? There's just milk, you know, cheese and uh, eggs. That's where that's where protein powder drives from, right? And uh, but yeah, they'll still ask me the next day, but you tell me some sort of protein powder to take. But yeah, it's, there's, there's no real secret to this. You just need consistency and also patience as well. That's very important, patience. It's trial and error as well, a lot of it. 100%. Make mistakes, you know, improve. That's it. It's a quick fix mentality, isn't it? It's like um, you, uh, the, the, when you said the protein powder thing, the, the thing that comes into my mind, do you remember Space Jam, the original one, where they write where right on the bottle, like secret, special water or something, and they drink oh, the special yeah, water, yeah. and they go out and they smash it, but then the special water runs out, and they're like, what the hell? And Michael Jordan's <laughs> like, yo, it's just it's in you all this time, you just got to work hard and you, you'll get it sort of thing. It's like it's sort of like that. Like um, I guess placebos obviously work very, very strong in that essence, but, but so... Obviously, you, you were very enthusiastic and, and it take, took you time to sort of get the knowledge and understanding to be a bit more, um, have controlled enthusiasm, let's call it. Um, and from obviously, I think obviously from the pictures that I've seen, it was more skinny kid getting bigger rather than fat kid getting uh, leaner. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I, although I was very athletic as well, I'll go probably, I used to go quite twice a week. Um, from when I was probably five years to about probably uh, 12 or something like that. And um, that that just instilled in me, like, you know, to be healthy, um, athletic, and also that got me into combat sports as well. Mm-hmm. So, and also um, my dad being into Kabaddi, watching football as well. So I had all these positive influences around me, which you know was 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 what drove me to to that. Yeah, and yeah, I'm get well. You probably already had the discipline from from martial arts and things to to like transfer over into into bodybuilding. Was it always um, like aesthetically inclined? Is that is that was always your like ambition to look good? Because I know obviously when you first for myself when I first got into the gym. It was to to lose weight and to look good, but as soon as I started lifting weights, I sort of got like more addicted to let's increase this and almost shifted into like a, a powerlifting mindset um, rather than a bodybuilding mindset because I just wanted to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Was your goal always to just look like, as you say, the the movie stars that you were watching as a kid, like Arnold and, and things like that? I never wanted to be like Jay Cutler or anyone like that. I just want to be athletic because going quite, I'll, I'll do splits yeah. and uh, yeah, and I could kick quite high. I still wanted to have that in me. Can you still do it so, now? Uh, I can't do the splits <laughs> anymore, but I'm, I'm working on it. You know? <laughs> but I'm still quite athletic as well. Um, so, um, but yeah, I've always wanted to be athletic um, and uh, I didn't want to be too big either. And at the same time, um being in this industry um obviously there's a lot of bodybuilders dying as well um people saying oh 
I don't know what that's all. Uh, yeah, a lot of bodybuilders are dying nowadays. You know, you must have heard recently as yeah. well. Yeah, bodybuilder died recently. Um, I don't know why it's from steroids or vaccine, whatever it could be, you know. So, uh, that's another thing. Like, I'm quite health conscious as well about myself. So, um, and also it does take a toll eating, was it six times a day or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, I think you've got to find a best of both worlds as well. Um, not just train, train, get big. No, you've got to look after your health as well. See what's best for your health, first of all. Is that why you opted for men's physique? Because that is more of a athletic type build, like a swimwear, like body, beach body sort of look, rather than the uh, classic physique, which is obviously the, the Ronnie Coleman's and the Jay Cutler's that you mentioned before. Yeah, definitely. That's why. So before there was men's physique, I remember thinking to myself, like, shit, like these bodybuilders are massive. There was no classic physique, men's physique back then. This was like 2012 when I was kind of like getting the getting into the gist of it, like you know, getting getting to grips with the diet aspect of training. And uh, I was thinking, shit, like these guys are massive, like. I'm probably never going to be like that. I don't even want to be like that either. And uh, and so then I was just training, training hard. And then then uh, I remember like 2013, 14, that's when men's physique came around. And then that's when I was like, shit, like, I want to get into competing now. Because um, that's, that's the type of physique I'm, I aspire to. And it's more attainable, you know. So, yeah, that's what my thinking was. And well, to be fair, looking at like um, obviously your Instagram and things and, and, and the pictures of your physique, it is very much tailored to that. You have the very broad shoulders and, and sort of tapered uh, physique and, and quite a, a skinny waist, uh, which is obviously always great in, in a bodybuilding aspect for, for judging and things like that, because that is pretty much what they um, look for is, is proportions and things. Um, when, when you made that decision that obviously like uh, I want to compete Obviously, I want to represent um, the turban on stage and things like that. Had you already done a few, um, like, summer shreddings, I guess you could call them, like, if, if you're going on holiday or, like, a large holiday or something beforehand, you want to get a bit cut up before? Like, have you had you already tested how far you could push your body? No. No. Check um, this. Um, basically, um, I entered the competition, which is called Fit Factor, in 2014. And uh, um, by then I had grasped, um, you know, dieting and training as well. Um, obviously I wasn't, it wasn't as it is now, but I had grasped at least uh, the basics mm-hmm. to training and, and dieting. And uh, I entered a competition called Fit Factor. And uh, um, this competition used to have, used to, Happen at the Expo Expo Body Body Power Expo, if you remember in Birmingham. Yeah, and uh, that was for uh, Fit Factor was more more so for a athletic um, athletic uh, fitness type of physique, and uh, so you you have to show your legs as well. Um, you basically have to wear a cut or <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I entered that competition. I always wanted to do men's physique. I was thinking, let me do something a bit lesser, you know, before I get into that competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I entered this competition. I didn't know how to diet down. Never 
dieted down before, never got lean before, nothing like that. Yeah. And uh, so I entered the competition um, and got through the initial stage. It's like a little audition kind of thing, you know. Got through and then uh, my competition was probably three months out from then. And then uh, I was like, I knew I was going to attain that physique. I was going to be lean enough, but I didn't know how to do it. Right. So what I do, yeah. So what I used to do is reset every single day, one hour before I sleep, how to do it, and then uh, yeah, I've just researching everything. And uh, I didn't, to be honest, I only took protein shakes, and I just about started to take protein shakes, and I always started to take protein shakes three years into training, and because um, because my I always used to reset before I used to do anything. And my aim, and I want it to be sustainable. So um, I would also, I would, I would re- I rely on food more than, you know, in supplements. You know, when you first start to train, you, you rely on supplements first, right? You think in general, it's going to make you like have some sort of superpower or something like that. Yeah. I know. I used, so I used to, um, I'd only take protein shakes just after training and probably take BCAs, but I don't even know when to take it. I just used to take it whenever, you know. But yeah, I managed to diet down for the competition and attain a good good level physique. And I think I came eighth, I think it was eighth or ninth or something like that out of uh, 100 and I think it's about 80 to 120 people okay. um, who compete um, from the UK. So yeah, that's that's how that's how that's decent, it went down. That's decent. yeah exactly yeah. like it, it's a it's a funny one because i think I, I was quite similar in that sense but um i have swung from both ways basically so at the beginning of my sort of fitness journey or whatever you want to call it is um i, I did all the supplement stuff like most people do because you think oh yeah. you know what i mean like like you said, you're gonna become Superman or something. But if you take all every single Tom, Dick, and Harry pill that is yeah. like sort of offered at the time, um, so obviously got on the protein shakes, sort of taking pre-workout, sort of taking all these like vitamins and supplements and, and things like that, and then realized that that like you you have to have the foundations first before that exactly. makes any difference. Do you know what I mean? And and as you said, it's not sustainable. So I went to India for a couple of months what am I supposed to do then? Do you know what I mean? Like, all my protein yeah. stuff's over here. I can't take off. And then the one year over there, because you probably get stuck in customs or something in it and be like, well, what's going on? So, but over there, when you see how they train, when you go to like the little gym in the in the bend and you see guys who are absolutely fucking huge, to be fair, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah. all they're doing is lifting hot, heavy ass weight, going home, having like jar upon rupee and then they go and do kitty afterwards. Do you know what I mean? And then they'll have char pan roti again. Do you know what I mean? They just eat, work hard, eat, work hard. And it really makes you look at things a bit like different. It's like, oh, it's it's not actually that complicated. Like you said before, it's it's quite simple. You just need work hard, be consistent, and, and you sort yeah. of get to some sort of level be, of good physique. To to be honest, um I gained the most muscle. Um, you know they call it newbie gains. Yeah. When yeah. you first join join the gym and then you um, you know, build, build muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, then I built probably about four kg in about a month or something. I wasn't taking no protein shakes. I was just eating. Yeah, I was just eating really like probably six, seven times a day. 
it's, and, it's uh, false confidence though isn't it because in that period within the first month when you gain all that muscle you think oh this gym stuff's really easy isn't it <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. you think it's shit like i could i could do this forever now you know? i'll break the world yeah. record next year at this rate <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how it was i probably gained like four kg in like a month or two or something like that and then uh, for a good year to two years whatever i didn't take no clean shakes nothing when i got to a certain level where i was thinking shit like I can't get enough protein through my food. That's when I start to implement protein and things like that, supplements. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like now I've, I've went back to um, some essential supplements, I think, that like are, are good, like vitamin D, for example, but given everything that happened with COVID. But there was, I think it's the, at the beginning, I had all the gear and no idea, I think is the phrase. And like had, yeah. I was buying all these like gym equipment and gym clothes and things just like these are my gym clothes to go to the gym these are my gym protein powders and whatever because it was very much into the gym then I went to absolutely nothing so like had none of that stuff and then now just whatever I actually need and it's more of a feeling does this actually benefit me or not um, and because everybody everybody is different so something like pre-workout for example might do something for me and nothing for you or vice versa depending on your tolerances of caffeine and things like that even even pre-workout i don't take pre-workout yeah i i I, if you have good sleep you diet well um you won't even need pre-workout i probably only time i take pre-workout is when i get ready for competition and i'm on like zero carbs or something like that that's when i only take pre-workouts yeah yeah so i try to keep everything everything to a minimal for me it's more about health you know Mm-hmm. Um, that much caffeine can't be good for you, you know. Understand so, that. Understand. Yeah. Well, there was that thing. Was it Jack 3D or something that that lady took it before mm-hmm. a marathon or something, and then had a heart attack, and and obviously the banned it, which uh, I don't think was the correct decision to ban it because of one person uh, being very um, stupid. <laughs> to to be honest, there's there's quite a few issues with that. There's uh, a number of people had health issues. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, number of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't speak too much on anything that I don't know in depth. Then, uh, don't know in depth. But um, so, twenty fourteen, you placed eighth out of like eighty to one hundred people um, yeah. in that show, and then the next year, it's twenty fifteen, and you do um, a regional competition. And so, at that stage, did did you transition into men's physique? Was that the point where um, you you went from the fit show to the men's physique category or was it still after that point at that time 2015 so coming off stage um in 2014 i knew i want to i wanted to do men's physique mm-hmm. so i knew i had to have a good off season and then do men's physique the year after so i had a good off season and uh i dieted down no cardio nothing i didn't do any cardio that other part either so just strictly just relied on food and whatever, just tailing food, uh, tapering food down. And uh, so, yeah, 2015, um, I prepped again myself and uh, uh, completed a regional show, UK BFF regional show. And um, I came, I think it was fifth. So they had a, like a top six or top five, and, uh, and I came fifth, which is within the awards but. Um, I didn't get qualification to the finals, um, but I I was I could have competed in juniors, but I didn't because I knew as a junior, 
you can't be a, a pro. Mm-hmm. You can't be a pro as a junior. If you were to compete in the junior category, you can't be a pro. So uh, what I did was I competed in men's physique because, and also I want to be up against the uh, big guys, you know. You want <laughs> so, to test yourself. Uh, test myself as well and uh yeah so uh i speed up the men's and i came uh i was in the top five but i didn't i didn't um go to the i wasn't um i didn't qualify for the finals so uh coming off that show um um i you know i had the motivation thinking shit i, I got the buzz thinking shit like i want to come first you know i want to get to the finals because uh, i remember seeing there's so many spectators there so many people competing and yeah I caught the whole buzz and uh yeah coming off the stage I immediately um uh ran to one of the guys who he's a coach and he used to go to my gym he was going to my same gym that I was training at and I was like from now on you're going to train me and we're gonna I'm gonna you know I want to get to the finals and uh I think that's where um he convinced me to do the junior men's physique. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, do the junior men's physique this year, kill it, last year, you know, get your name out there. Then year after, you know, when you're, when you're older, do the men's physique. And I listened to him. And uh, that's when I literally, three months after that, um, I competed in uh, uh, junior men's physique in another regional show, which is in Birmingham. So I came first, uh, probably like, shows used to be really busy back then. Um, but I came probably like I was first out of like 30 people something like that so yeah um, and then I then I qualified for the British finals and uh, I competed in men's physique British finals and I came first there as well and uh, but yeah that's that's how my journey went then in 2015 not too bad then. Not too bad at all, eh? Yeah. So, do you think that getting a coach made a big difference then for you? Getting a coach made a big difference for me because he's been there, done that. He's uh, he knows. It's good to get another opinion as well, you know. Um, and also, he's been around the block. Like he knows what to do. Um, so yeah, that made a massive difference. And uh, also, um, also done another show after that as well. After the finals, I don't know Arnold's. They live in Liverpool, though. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was Arnold's. I think, uh, yeah, I think it was Arnold's in Liverpool, and uh, I competed that as well. So everyone from like you come from any country, from around around the world, so the Arabs there, or you know, people from different countries from in Europe, and I came top six in that. So six, sixth. In that it wasn't the best, but yeah, I think it was sixth or fifth. But I was within the awards. Um, and obviously during all, all of these competitions at junior level and, and obviously the, the men's physique competitions at Arnold's there and things, um, as you said previously, you wanted to represent obviously the culture and, and you, you were wearing a turban throughout and uh, like on stage with a turban. Obviously recently spoke to um, Rajay, who was on the podcast, uh, the, the flying turban, and, and he mentioned that you had um, an experience at a competition, obviously where they asked you to remove your turban before going on stage um, and then the way he described it was subsequently didn't really judge you as maybe they should have um, can, can you tell me which competition that was if you're a, a 
comfortable doing so and tell me a bit more about the experience and have you had any other issues previous or post that incident or was it just like a one-off isolated event so when i won um 2015 when i won the junior men's physique final um i came off stage and uh and i go to the he's like one of the big dogs of uh, the committee and uh i go to him okay so what does it mean i've, I've won the um junior men's physique british finals i was like can i compete in Arnold's now? And because uh, uh, Arnold's uh, amateur Arnold's was quite new then, and it was never never happened in the UK before. So I was like, could I compete in the could could I compete in the Arnold's? Because um, obviously I've I've won the finals, and uh, he goes, oh, um, I don't think they will. Uh, actually, I asked him about can I compete in the Arnold's in Barcelona next year. And uh, he goes, oh, I don't know um, if they like your turban out there. Like, I was like, what? I was like, you're supposed to be like, you know, son, don't worry. I'll back it for you in it. Yeah. Just go for it. Because he's, he's one of the big main guys, you know, committee. Even the European committee, he's one of the main guys. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they like it. If you, if you go out there at Barcelona to compete. And then that, uh, that left me puzzled. I was thinking, what, like... I was like, I'm definitely going to repeat now, innit? I go, I don't give a shit. So that's when that drove me, like, you know, that motivated me even more to compete, to to train harder and go out to Barcelona and compete at the Arnold's. 100%. And then, yeah. so you get to Barcelona in 2016 then? Yeah, uh, so in 20, sorry. Um... I'm just trying to think where. Uh, no, sorry. I think it's probably 2016 or the, the, 2021. Okay. So the competition uh, you won in 2016, and then you went to the Arnolds in 2017 in Barcelona. Yeah, so I won in 2017. So that conversation happened in 2016 when I asked the main guy, yeah. "Can I compete in, at, at the Arnolds?" So 2017, I went to. Um, in 2016, I think I could have went to the Arnolds, but I didn't. I don't feel I was big enough. I didn't think I was ready. So that's when I went in 2017 when I thought I was ready to go. Because I'm not going to compete just to make up the numbers, you know. And also it costs money to go out there. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. So, um, And just to mention so, as well, like the, the, the gentleman who was obviously in the committee, um, it, it's a bit of a weird thing to just say as it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you can't go because you're taping or I don't think they like that, which is basically saying, yeah, you can go, but if you don't wear your taping. Um, like he's obviously not saying it explicitly but it's an implied yeah, yeah. essentially which is yeah. um it, it's, a, it's a real shame obviously uh, i'm hoping that, that that experience or them experiences haven't happened previously in the uk and uh, evidently not because he's he's saying when you're coming off stage i don't think they'll like that um but it has sorry, been, let, sorry yeah sorry let me highlight that that was with the uk bff okay yeah so i just want to differentiate with other committees like you know it's not yeah. it wasn't with that yeah Okay. But any individual from any committee saying it is is a bit messed up regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it, sh it shouldn't be a thing like it, it's you shouldn't have to like sacrifice your faith for sport 
for example, like, and, and that's, uh, it's just not on. Um, but sorry, I, I interrupted there just because I feel like it shouldn't have even been said in the first place by the gentleman before you even go into Barcelona. And then I understand that different places in the world are culturally a bit different, but uh, racism doesn't have a place in any of them cultures. Um, so, but yeah, continue. Sorry. So you go to Barcelona in 2017. Yeah. So um, I was obviously training for a year or whatever, thinking, okay, I'm going to be at Barcelona and uh, make an impression. Being the, I was probably the only agent there as well. And well, other than that, I was the only Tupperware person there. And uh, so, yeah, I got ready for the competition. And uh, obviously, um, taking days of work, so month, uh, weeks of work, actually, and uh, paying money to go out there, fly out there, hotel, whatever. And then I also qualified for that competition too, wearing my turban. So uh, getting out there, I got got to the, I was about to get into onto the stage. There's probably, there's loads of people competing in my category, probably like 30, probably to 50 or something like that. So I was waiting to go on stage and one of the judges, um, actually the UK, they're, U, they're mixed judges. So there's a, you had uh, some judges from Spain, UK, um, Italy, um, even from like Dubai and the sort of areas. Um, so there's a mixed panel there. And uh, I was about to get on stage and one of the Spanish, judges or whatever you know or one of the helpers um he goes to me oh um or she, she they go oh you can't wear that thing i was like why i got it's part of my faith it's my religion and they go oh you could only go on stage if you take it off i go no i'm gonna go on stage i'm not gonna take it off i got qualified wearing it i'm gonna compete with it as well and uh so anyway i was walking onto stage and uh the guys who like you know um, tells us where to stand he starts to point on my bug and then point back to the judges and then that that basically kind of pissed me off you know i was thinking why am i being singled out here as you can you know there's definitely something going on either they're marking me down or whatever you know so that was playing back in my mind while i was trying to compete get my poses and stuff um but yeah the weird thing is when I got off stage, uh, also I didn't feel like they're looking at me really. So each time you'd be in the middle with you and five other people probably, so in total it'd be six people. So you could tell if they're looking at you or not. I don't think they're looking at me. But yeah, when I got off stage, um, some Spanish judges came to me and they're like, oh, very good physique. And they started taking pictures of me. I was thinking, like, the whole, I was I was confused, you know. I was like, yeah. "What the hell, man!" Like, but yeah, I didn't place them. I, you know, if I deserve first, give me first. If I deserve last, give me last. You know, um, but yeah, but off, off the merit of the physique, like it shouldn't yeah. have to take into consideration anything else. Do Do you think, looking back, that you placed correctly? Or do you think there was a bias because of what, obviously, the, the conversation beforehand and, and the guy who's obviously putting everybody in position and obviously to, like pointing to the turban and, and, and to the judges, do you think that um, 
looking back, do you think that you placed correctly at that competition? I know it's um, a weird part because subjectively, like you're going to take yeah. your opinion into it, but it's it's like a, a, I know it's obviously going to be a biased opinion, but like in your heart of hearts, do you think that you should have placed higher? And it's obviously it's only your opinion. Yeah, I don't even I don't even place in that show. I think I probably I should have placed hundred percent. There were people coming up to me like saying you got a good physique, even though the fellow competitors I've never met before. Um, uh, what? Also, there's more to this as well later on. So, do you want me to go? Yeah. yeah. So, having competed at the competition, obviously, I was pissed off and confused. And uh, so, my coach convinced me to do the Prague show. I don't want to do the show. I was thinking, what's the point, you know? Like, and but yeah, he convinced me to do the show. And then, also, my family was like, go compete in it because. I didn't give up, but I was thinking, you know, what is the point? Because they're going to overlook me again. Mm-hmm. But then I uh, ended up going to that show as well. But um, I didn't place then, but to be honest, um, the show ran, was delayed hugely by like seven hours, eight hours. So, you know, timing is very important in competing. So, uh, my diet, my 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 pump was completely off or whatever. So that I could understand, right? Um, but yeah, when I come back to the UK to compete in the finals, um, after the Prague show and obviously that the, the show in Spain, um, when I came back to the UK, I um, the, the gym I used to go to, um, the owner of the gym, he also runs in like a magazine as well, Beef Magazine, I don't know. Um, he he made an article saying, obviously, I went to Barcelona, competed, and this is what happened to him. So then, in a way, when I was going to compete at the British finals, and uh, that put me on the back foot. Right, okay. So because yeah, so I went to British. Sorry, sorry, go. On. Yeah, go 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 ahead. Go ahead. So, so you've went to you've went to the Prague show, um, and obviously the 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 format of the show was a bit delayed and things. So that's obviously not the best situation. But you've came back from that, and and it, would you would you agree that going out to the Prague show was more just to get that one after the Spain show out of the way because you're probably a bit more discouraged. You need another competition to just get back in the rhythm of things. You've come back. Um, and uh, bodybuilding Sorry, my, my main reason to go out to Prague was to show the judges because I knew there'd be some, the same or one or two of the same, of the same judges there as well mm-hmm. and uh, my main aim was to tell them you know, I'm not going to give up so that's the main reason why, why I went out there and uh, but yeah go, carry on and then you've came back and the gentleman from your gym who has the magazine has wrote an article explaining what's happened in Barcelona. And that, uh, did, did he say it in a way that it was unjust towards you? Is that like basically the gist of the article? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so how has that put you on the back foot? Because surely that would raise awareness onto not doing it again in a future competition. So what happened was, um, um, obviously, the UK BFF committee, they felt a bit of a backlash, because obviously, they outed them, and 
I did as well. Yeah. When that article went ahead, I started posting about it as well. I was like, you know what, he's out here. So I started posting about it. Actually, no, I started to post, post about it after the finals, actually. But yeah, I just let the article go ahead. I was thinking, okay, cool. Not everyone's probably read it. <laughs> but yeah. And uh, when I went to the competition in British finals, um, I got on stage and uh, it felt a bit off. They wasn't looking at me, nothing. And, um, and then when it came to giving the places, the placings, I think I, from being first in my category two years running to being not even in the placing, not even top 10. So they give you places from one, one to 10. The rest, they don't really give you a placing of yeah. the 10th. And look at our physiques who won it. And this was a, on that year, there wasn't, the physiques weren't as good to when I had won it. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing some of the physiques, they probably probably had another eight weeks to go before they were lean enough to compete. And they were ahead of me, they finished ahead of me. Some of them, yeah, you could say, okay, maybe they were probably on level, on par with me, okay. Um, but I think I should at least come top three, probably top three, or yeah. maybe fifth or something like that. Not out of the, out of, uh, you know, not even, not even you should have uh, placed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And is that like obviously? I'm guessing it's it's again politics. And I like how before we were talking about kabaddi, you're like, oh, I don't want to go into kabaddi for the politics, and you end up going into bodybuilding, and and it's for basically exactly. politics again. The, so I'm guessing it's like the the black sheep sort of thing, isn't it? Of like the, this person's causing a bit of trouble. Let's just let's leave him out of it. Is is it? Do you think it's that type of situation? Yeah, yeah, and also. Another thing is maybe I don't know if I'm overthinking or what, but my friend who I went to Prague with, Barcelona with, he had the same coach as me. Um, his name's Craig. Um, respect to him. Um, he he didn't also play a place either. Right, okay. Maybe this is some sort of you know way to get at you know get at us or something like that. Yeah. Because uh, we had the same coach, everything you know. And we were competing together as well, you know, Euro- European shows. He didn't place either, which was a bit so strange. And have you? So, what was the backlash after that competition? What was there anything done said? Obviously, if you felt like oh. it was unjust, what was what? How? What can you even do to basically rectify that? So basically, um, shortly after that, there was a new competition. So UKBFF had lost the affiliation with IFBB Pro. So they couldn't give pro cards. That was the last British finals where they could give pro cards. We knew that before going into the show, I think that would happen. So then right after the show, I posted about it on my Instagram. Story after story. And then a lot of people messaging me saying, shit, like, does that really happen? Like, that's mad. Like, okay, got so many people. You know, DMing me, asking me what happened, whatever, showing sport. And, uh, but yeah, because um, we knew there's another committee coming out, which is called Two Bros Pro in the UK, who would have the right to award pro cards. Um, and obviously, UK BFF had lost the affiliation to BB Pro to give pro cards. Yeah. So I wasn't going to compete with them anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, I guess it's good timing then in that. Aspect. Yeah. Have you competed since? Yeah, I competed in uh, so when I 
competed in 2017. And then um, this new show, um, people obviously a lot bigger. And uh, so I, yeah, with this new competitor, Two Buzz Pro, they're, they're more in line with the Pro League. So they okay. want you to be bigger. But with the UKB, they want you to be more athletic, more smaller, which is weird, but that's how it is, you know. Yeah. So uh, I took, a, yeah, so I took two years off competing. So I competed in 2019. And uh, I competed in 2019 um, with two bros pro. I guess to put on the size to, to match the criteria for the new new division. Yeah, yeah, it probably wasn't enough, but I took two years off here to compete with two, two bros pro 2019. Is um is the two years bro a untested federation or was it yeah yeah. yeah so two bros bros pro is uh yeah they 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 have the affiliation with IPB pro so they they hold shows in the UK and I think around Europe as well um in affiliation with the pro league and MPC MPC is the amateur league. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. I get you. And then obviously two years after that, you probably haven't competed again because of COVID and things. Um, and then have you just used that as an opportunity to basically put on more size? As you said, you, you didn't think you put on enough for that for that show. Um, and have you competed since coming out of COVID or is your first show going to be this summer? Yeah, I didn't compete from 2019 up to now. I haven't competed. Yeah, so, um, obviously most people didn't because of COVID and things. So I'm, I'm guessing you just... Uh, Used it to put on but muscle. my main reason not to compete was obviously I need to gain more muscle and uh, um, competing from 2014, 15, every summer. So I was competing 2014, 15, 16, 17, and then took two years out compared to 19. That takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. So, and you can't even go anywhere. Summer is a time where you go holiday or whatever, go with your friends, but I wasn't doing none of that. I was just get rid of competitions, three-month prep or whatever, and doing competitions from, say, was it August down to October? So, yeah. you, you know, you can imagine that that takes it out of you. And also, um, you can't, you're not, uh, you're not probably, you're probably not um, thinking, I was thinking about my career, probably not, not as much as I could. I wasn't given enough um um you know i wasn't i thought i thought i had to became a time where i was thinking shit like i need to put my career ahead of competing yeah so from uh 2017 and onwards is all about my career i was i was training hard you know but competing was kind of like on the back foot mm-hmm. but um yeah, no, 100%. It's work-life balance, I guess, is, is what it comes down to. And I think the conversation I had with Randy was, was similar, um, that he normally competes a year, next year he doesn't, the year after he does. So he does it like as like a um, cyclical, every other year he'll compete. What is, um, I see a lot of people coming to gym and within the first year, come going gym or first two years, they want to compete and all they want to do is just compete they don't think about the career they don't give a shit about the career and then um, 
they compete and then they're thinking, oh, they're going to become a pro overnight or whatever. And they're going to get all these supplement companies paying them thousand pounds to, you know, promote their, 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 their protein or whatever. But there's nothing like that. It's very important to keep your, to concentrate on your career as well and progress in that front. I'm not saying don't train, don't go to gym, but you need a balance. Because mm-hmm. imagine if I, um, I'm a gas engineer, so I'm on business and everything. Imagine if I wasn't, um, you know, paying attention to my career and I think I would become pro. Like, I haven't gone pro now, you know, <laughs> you know, so. I think it's important to concentrate on our, on our careers as well, rather than just going gym, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to become pro. There's, very, there's a very small minority will, who will be pro. And also being a, a singer, a Sikh, Raymond Bug, probably even more difficult. And saying that, saying that, I remember getting ready for my competition. Uh, I think it was, yeah, 2016, when I won the men's physique. I was actually working 14 hours a, a day. So I was doing call ups and stuff. And uh, I was training at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. at the gym. I remember, like, you know, so I always had uh, my eye on my career as well rather than just competing. So I think it's important that we all have a, have a balance in work and, you know, training as well. Definitely, definitely. And, and a lot of the athletes that I've spoken to have obviously had to find that balance and it's I think there is a tipping point where if you do have the potential to make something out of it um and you can recognize that then there's no issue of obviously going balls to the wall forward but yeah. for example um Dylan Chima is a boxer uh, former kickboxing world champion he recently was on Sky Sports in the boxer tournament um, yeah that's what yeah yeah so he he still works full-time and as family business um i think they, they have shops i think he's a manager at a cash and carry and then he does the boxing on top of that um yeah. and it became to a point with a boxer tournament where there was a bit more commitment to that because obviously there's the potential of it actually being something substantial which it ended up being but the next on the monday he, he was he was back to work do you know what I mean so uh, it's I think it is the social media sort of lifestyle that people aspire to, but that isn't reality. It is highlights. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's watching as a Liverpool fan. You you know this from the the FA Cup win the other day. Um, that it's yeah. the highlights are very different to the game because the game is boring as fuck. <laughs> but you yeah, watch yeah. that. You watch the penalty shootout at the end, and it looks amazing. Do you know what I mean? And that's basically what yeah. people would aspire to is look on Instagram and be like, oh, competition here. Oh, he's got. A protein powder over here but not seeing that he's probably been on 14 hour shifts at work and then having a squeeze in a workout somewhere in between and he's probably got packs and packs of uh meat and chicken to get his food in in a fucking ice pack on a plane like raj do you know what I mean like raj yeah, yeah, yeah. and and they don't see that side of thing they obviously the, the glitz and glamour is completely separate but i, I fully agree with your point the the counter to that would be historically us as South Asians, uh, Indian specifically, um, Open Jumbi specifically, is we've always had it drilled into us of like sports as a hobby. Don't take it serious. You could go get your degree. Yeah. But that is also a detriment because then people don't take it seriously. So it is, like you said, it is a balancing act. You, you do want to 
if, if you feel like you are good at something and you do want to pursue it, then 100% pursue it. But also if you've got to be realistic with yourself and say, if there isn't actually um, like viability to either one, reach the heights of that sport that you enjoy or make a financial sort of um, footing for yourself, then obviously you've got to be realistic in that aspect as well. But for, it's, it's going to be individual for everybody, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it? Everyone's got different circumstances and, and, and things like that. So I think it's just an interesting point because it's, it's both sides are equally as important to each other as, as having that sport, athleticism and hobby and outlet, but also having obviously security is also quite important as well. Yeah, it is very important because, uh, you know, you could be the, you can have the best physique possible, you know, um, but it doesn't mean you're going to make lots of money, you know, um, just because you have a good physique. Exactly. Uh, There'll be some guy who's training in his garage somewhere. He's probably like, he could probably win a competition if he, on like a national level or something, get a sponsorship if he wanted to, but he's never done it before. Like boxing yeah, is, yeah. is is very uh, similar to that. Is Though there's some fighters who technically are better than others, but financially with nothing compared to, yeah. you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, in boxing conversations, that I've had on the podcast before. I use Dave Allen as, a, as an example. I don't know if you know who he is, but essentially he's a heavyweight, but he's more just of a lad's lad. He really appeals yeah. to the British culture and the British boxing fan because he ha- he's like had sponsorships with, I think, Babe Station and Iron Brew, and, and he's one of them type of lads. You know what I mean? Like proper, proper lad. Yeah. <laughs> he has made a very good living out of boxing, even though arguably he's and I don't I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way because I, I really do like him as a boxer um arguably he's not that great I, I wouldn't even say he's European level he's probably just domestic level but because of the banter essentially he's made more money than arguably some other better heavyweights than him and it's like that yeah, I look, at, look at these uh, Instagram influencers I see them at, at gym they look nothing like they look on Instagram <laughs> And uh, they have so many followers and making money, you know, promoting products and stuff. So yeah. it doesn't mean that because you have a good physique, you're going to make money off it. Yeah. Editing, like a good photographer goes a long way, dude. I mean, we all need someone we'll like, um, we all need someone like Sing Captures in, a, in, <laughs> in our gym with us, do you know what I mean? Shout out to Howie, please. But <laughs> if we all had him in our corner, then we could probably all be influencers. <laughs> 100%, yeah. Do you, from your experiences and obviously the support that you had from other people, um, um, obviously from the discrimination that you face and from the 2012 stage when you were entering the gym, have you seen a shift in the South Asian bodybuilding community and have you seen a shift towards yourself when you've been competing? So the show in 2019, did you find a noticeable difference to the show in 2017? Mm, it's very hard to say. Very hard to say. I, I admit, it's still in the back of my mind when I compete that, yeah, when I competed in 2019, the judges weren't even looking at me properly. Maybe that's probably I was, my physique wasn't good enough or whatever, I don't know. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's back of my mind. But yeah, 
shit like is it is the same thing still going on because I read the committee maybe I don't know maybe the judge could be a friend with the committee that like, I or something like that you know like you know these things these thoughts go into your mind so but yeah that's it's very hard to answer that question what would you if if you could basically recommend anything to all the as you were saying, there's a lot of things that are coming up into bodybuilding. And obviously you you, you um, are probably going to compete again in things. Would you, what would you recommend to somebody going forward? Like, do they have to be conscious of this? Or is it the mentality that you adopted at the beginning of the podcast when you were saying um, you need to basically overachieve to just achieve the same result? Like you have to go the extra mile just to get the same result or... Um, should it not even be taken into consideration and you just focus on yourself? Like, how how are you going to go forward and what would you say to other people who would want to wear their table on stage? I have the same mindset as to when I started. You know, I have to be head and shoulders above everyone else. I need a, everyone watching um, spectators see, okay, he's a clear winner. So I'm sticking to that sort of mindset. Because that also pushes me as well, motivates me in the gym. So 100%. yeah, that's yeah, that's the sort of mindset I would I would adopt. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I've I've covered most of the questions that I wanted to ask ask in, in terms of obviously your uh, experiences. I, I didn't know about the article, which was was quite fascinating to me. Um, unless there's anything that you think that we've missed out on and, and want to touch upon. Um, not really. I just I appreciate you getting me on this podcast. It's good to share my experience. Um, back when I started competing, there's obviously not enough awareness about this sort of thing, and there was enough. I mean, first of all, there wasn't any. Well, none too probably. Or like you know, you've got Randy that was competing back then. So yeah, it's good that we've got someone like you. You know. Um, Creating awareness. Oh, Randy, because I remember when I was when I was uh, getting into com- competing, and yeah, when I was getting into competing, I don't really have no one to talk to, like, even ask, like, you know, like being the being the sink going into stages. I felt like I felt like like I was stuck in a way, because you know, going on stage with a bitch or whatever and being a sink, it, it was it, it was daunting. But um, but I did want to represent ourselves as always at the, at the same time. So yeah, it, I think it's good that you you know we've got like podcasts like this, which people could watch and take note and you know use this my experiences and other people's experiences to the to the um, advantage. And uh, yeah, if anyone, sorry, and, and yeah, if anyone wants to start competing or want to get into competing just want to ask like a, a question you could dm me ask me whenever like more than free to ask me i'd have an issue with that is um is instagram your preferred platform are you on any other social medias as well or? uh just just instagram yeah. which will be um in the link in the description for anybody who does want to dm um, and ask any questions um, but honestly the, the, the pleasure is all mine like uh, I've had the fortune to speak to people that 
uh, and share their stories and, and experiences. And it's it's purely from fascination on on my end. So uh, I'm just glad that you've shared an hour of your um, of your time, and and I I really do appreciate it. And and shout out to Rajay because um, I wasn't actually aware of the situation before he highlighted it to me. And it's like a knock-on effect. Do you know what I mean? Like I think originally I did a podcast with uh, Lion Flex Manj, and then he put me on to Harry Cleese, and then he put me on to uh, Rajay, who put me on to yourself and and uh, Randeep, and it's like a knock-on effect. So um, uh, I think it is nice that obviously the, the community is in full support of each other. Obviously, it has been growing over time, and as you said, most most people in the community are actually willing to. Um, share their expertise and experiences if, if people do want to ask questions mm. don't hesitate to get into the dms of, of people and what's the worst can that, that can happen they don't respond to you, mm. you know what I mean? like, they're, they're, like, if they don't to, see it they to, don't respond to be honest uh, there's one guy a well-known among up suki here he was competing in men's physique okay. and uh and uh well Sukiya's cousin knew my cousin so we had mutual kind of you know people and I'd ask a few questions and then which didn't help obviously being the same only recovering person to do it um um obviously I'd ran deep but um um it was it was a completely new experience you know I don't know what I was getting myself into but yeah it's, it's definitely good to have people you know out there that could give you advice and help you along the along the journey 100% I've said this countless amounts of times on this podcast. Like, if you see somebody else doing something that you want to do and they look similar to you, it becomes so much more realistic and achievable. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you see a brown footballer, like there's going to be so many little brown kids that look up to that footballer and it becomes achievable. But if you don't see anybody doing it, then obviously it's like, oh, well, you know, Indians aren't meant to play sport because there isn't Indians in sport. Whereas that's, that's slowly going away because there are more people in each sport. You have powerlifters, bodybuilders, boxers, footballers, like with uh, professional pool players, uh, uh, and I've had the fortune to speak to a lot of them on this podcast. And that's the one thing that I say to, to each one of them: is there's going to be a little kid who looks at you, and be- it becomes a bit more realistic if they have a passion for it. Whereas maybe yeah. beforehand, like especially like if you're trying to convince your parents to go to like a boxing club, you can be like, "Look, I want to be like X, Y, and Z." And, and it's, it's, it has a powerful impact because, as we were saying before, when you, you don't really realise the mindset and, until, uh, like the reasoning behind the mindset until years later. I mean, that head and shoulders above everybody else, it stems from somewhere and, and, and it does have a long-lasting impact, especially when, you, when you're like a, a young child. Um, but the way that I do like to wrap up each podcast is just by asking the same five guests to every um same five questions to every guest um so if we just crack on with these and as i say links in the description to follow uh og sindhu and um yeah and you can ask him any questions in the dms <laughs> but the first question for the quick fire questions is what are you most proud of um i could there's numerous things probably say probably uh this probably isn't quick fire now. <laughs> um, probably winning the probably being overalls of uh, uh, men's physique. So winning my um, so they win the British finals and being in overalls. Probably that is, and and obviously my family watching as well, being proud of me. What are you most looking forward to? 
Um, competing. Next time. What's your biggest motivation? Biggest motivation is it's a tough one. Um, biggest motivation is to have no regrets, to give you all. What's your definition of success? Sorry, what was that? What's your definition of success? Being happy. And that's very yeah, important. 100%, 100%. And um, last but not least, because it's the CoachCast podcast, how do you think your culture has affected you in your journey this far? The culture has affected me in a positive way. I think if it wasn't for my culture, I wouldn't have got this far. And uh, obviously, like, the mindset I was talking to you about, you know, adopting the mindset of, like, you know, you want to be the best of the best and you want to be, you know, stand out amongst everyone else, um, being a sink. Um, if it wasn't for my culture, for Siki, I wouldn't have probably pushed myself as much because I feel, I feel like I was representing everyone and I was doing for up and in if I won. So that's how my thinking and my mindset was. And also, I would think, oh, shit, if I lose, and let everyone down. So in a way, that pushed me, that, that motivated, motivated me. So that, um, yeah, culture had a positive impact on me. 100% smashed it. And like the jumper just says, we're just getting started. So uh, hopefully there's going to be yeah. many more years and, and, and uh, competing ahead of many more trophies. <laughs> I see you put the Thank hashtag you, on everything. Every post is always the same hashtag. So I was like, you got the jumper yeah, to match. I know. <laughs> That's it, man. Shout out, shout out My friend made it for me. Uh, smashed it. Smashed it. Yeah. Shout out to him, man. I want to get one. <laughs> wicked um as i said your links will be in the bio check out um obviously uh the instagram because a lot of the things that we referred to will be in that feed and um yeah and, and catch everybody in the next episode